Good to see you here this morning. If you missed Sunday school, you missed a wonderful uh, lesson. I'm very thankful. Every, every week it's so blessed, but Reynolds taught on the, the woman that worshiped at the Lord's feet, whose debt was forgiven, her debt of sin was paid for, and she realized it, and she was grateful, and she was worshiping at the feet of Jesus. It was a wonderful Sunday school lesson this morning. I encourage you to, to be part of that if you're not. Uh, it's always a blessing. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 12. Jeremiah chapter 12. Let's start reading in verse 1. We'll read just the first three verses of this chapter. Jeremiah 12, 1. Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee, Yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. Wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all they, they happy that deal very treacherously? Thou hast planted them, yea, they have taken root. They grow, yea, they bring forth fruit. Thou art near in their mouths, but far from their reins. But thou, o, o Lord, knowest me. Thou hast seen me and tried my heart toward thee. Pull them down like sheep of the slaughter, and prepare sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. Really, what I want to talk about is the beginning of verse 3, where he says, But Lord, you know me. And, and what we see, Jeremiah is the prophet of the Lord, and God has called him. And just so we know about Jeremiah, I'll read this from chapter 1. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. We're going to talk about being known of the Lord. It's one thing to know God, and we have to know the Lord. But I want to talk today about being known of the Lord, like where the Lord knows us as a faithful child. The Lord knows us as someone that has trusted him. The, the Lord could look at you or me and say, I could use him. I, uh, he knows me. He believes me. He trusts me. And this is what Jeremiah is saying. And he's, uh, the Bible says that that uh, in Second Second Timothy chapter two, nevertheless the foundations of God standing stand sure, having this seal. The Lord kno the Lord knoweth them that are His, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I'm always very comforted by that verse because it's telling me God's got it straight. He can look at 7.5 billion people on the planet, and He's not confused about who's really saved and who's really not. He's got it. He knows it perfectly to the man, to the child, to the woman. The Lord knows those that are his. And then he says, let everyone who names the name of Christ, if I say I'm a Christian, Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I say that, then he's also telling us in that verse, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from sin or depart from iniquity. Come out of it and live like you know me. Okay? That's what he's saying there. But it's a different, you know, we could say the Lord knows everybody. And he does. The Lord knows everybody. The very hairs of people's heads are numbered, right? He knows us perfectly. He told Jeremiah, before you were formed in the, your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew you and ordained you to be a prophet, sanctified you to be a prophet to the nations. But the Lord knows the wicked in a different way. And this is what I want to get on a little bit today. It's not just that God knows everybody like this big blanket. He knows every human being, which he does. He created somebody's being born right now in India. The Lord knows that little child. Jesus died for that little child. You understand the Lord knows him. He's aware. He formed that child in the mother's womb. 
but then to 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 be to know the Lord and then to be known of the Lord as being a faithful servant, as being his, belonging to him. I know everybody in here, right? I know everybody in here to an extent, but I know my child and my wife better than I know most of you, you know? And so the Lord wants us to be not only to know him, but I want to live in such a way that he knows me as being a faithful friend, as being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. The wicked he knows, but he doesn't know him in that way. And I want to read this from uh, Psalm 138. There, Though the Lord be nigh, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. You ever heard that scripture before? He, he knows the Lord's high and lifted up, but he's nigh. And he says he has, he's near. He has respect unto the lowly. When it says that he has respect, it means he looks upon joyfully. So if you humble yourself, the Bible says, and we see it in the Old Testament and New Testament, humble yourselves, therefore, before the Lord, and he will exalt you, right? Draw nigh unto God. Humble yourself. Uh, and he, and he, he has, uh, the Lord gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud, the Bible says. And so he knows the proud and the humble. But he knows the humble as being humble. He knows the humble as being the ones that have come to him, that have trusted in him, that are drawn near to him, that are calling upon him, that are thankful to him for his grace and his mercy and wanting to be part of his family. So it's not just he knows everybody. He knows the wicked are wicked, and he died for them, and he wants them to be redeemed. But he know, the, his relationship with them is that they're estranged. The Bible says we're enemies of Christ. Before we come to Christ, you say, well, I never knew I was an enemy of the Lord. He says that we're enemies of the Lord before we come to him and are reconciled through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so it says when the Lord has respect unto the lowly, that means to look upon joyfully. So to me, this is the believer. This is the one who's humbled themselves with a godly humility, right? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, are broken in a contrite heart, O oh God, thou will not despise. And we humble ourselves and we say, I'm a sinner. Like in our Sunday school lesson, the lady that was a notable sinner in town and everybody knew her. So her sin was open and blatant, and yet she came to know the Lord by faith. And she humbled, her, humbled herself before the Lord. Whereas the Pharisees, at least at this time, that were sitting at the dinner table with Jesus, didn't humble themselves. They didn't think they needed a Savior. They thought they were already good, right? But he says he has respect unto the lowly. It means to look upon joyfully, to regard, to be near, to show himself to. Well, God's near to everybody in a physical sense, but he's near in relationship in a relationship to those that humble themselves before God. He says he has respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knows afar off. I know all about you, but I don't know you, and you don't know me. Amen? And so David said, what can David say more? He's praying to the Lord. When God made this eternal covenant with David, that, right, that he would have someone from his lineage, uh, descendancy to sit on the throne of David, forever. Jesus Christ would be the one that would really fulfill that because Christ came from the lineage physically of David. But when he made this covenant with David, David was overwhelmed and he was humbled by it. And he went and sat before the Lord and he just said, what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant. And here's what we're talking about today. Knowing God, yes, we have to know God. This is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. The Bible says, and 
Jeremiah even says it in the Old Testament. The Lord says, let him that glorieth, glory, glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. Nobody's boasting about different things. We can boast about things religiously, and we can boast about our goodness and our good works and our, our spiritual insight and so forth. He says, look, let him that glories or boast, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That's what we need to be. If we're, if we're anything, Dave, Dave, uh, Paul said, but God forbid that I should glory, glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom this world is crucified to me, and I am unto the world. Jeremiah goes on to say that, I, that they would know this, that I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And so we have to know the Lord, but I want to be known in such a way that God knows me, that he knows me and knows me in such a way that, that Randy's faithful, that I can trust. And I have not always lived that way, but I want to live in such a way. And this is what our message is about today. Yes, we have to know God. Absolutely. If you don't know the Lord, that is eternal life. You're, you're missing out on eternal life. The only forgiveness of sins and salvation and eternal life comes through faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. And if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. But that's just like your birthday. When you give your life to Christ, then, then there's the growing up and maturing. And I want to grow and trust and mature the Lord in such a way that he knows me. But he knows me not just from afar off or say, well, there's one of my children, but I don't know him that well. I want him to know me as, as being his child. I want to be near to him. You know, Jesus had 12 disciples. We know Judas betrayed the Lord. It was ordained, and he, he did it, and the Lord knew he would do it. But even of these other 11 out of the other 11, there were three that you always see nearer to Jesus. Now, did the Lord love them all? Yes. Were they all his? All but Judas, right? It trusted in him. And almost all that we know of historically were martyred for the Lord after Jesus died and rose and ascended to heaven. But we always see Peter, James, and John a little bit nearer, okay? And to me, that is just an indication that we can be as close to the Lord as we want to be. Even as Christians, John was the one, and it might sound strange to us, he had his head on Jesus' bosom at the Last Supper. It just means he was near. He was pressing in tight. He was leaning on him. And, and when Jesus was in the, uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, he took Peter, James, and John. When, when uh, he went to, in to heal Jairus' daughter, he pick, took, I think, Peter, James, and John with him. They were these that, it's not that he just chose them and favored them. I believe it was that they... Want, they didn't want to miss out on anything. You know, some of the others heard Jesus preach all day, and they were tired. Maybe they wanted to sleep, but maybe John wanted to go sit by Jesus a little bit longer. You know what I mean? And so I want to, he knew them all and loved them all. He would die on the cross for all of them, and they were all, as I said, other than Judas, his children. We're going to see them all in heaven, the ones that we don't know that well, you know, uh, James and, and, some of the other, um, and some of the other disciples, the Bartholomew and so forth, that we don't read that much about. But I want to be known of the Lord as being that one that's faithful and that he can count on, that he can trust because we've developed that relationship. And so Jeremiah, what he's doing here, we, we read this, uh, these first three verses. What's happening in Jeremiah's day? God ordained him to be a prophet to Israel, but specifically to Judah. This was during the time of the Bab uh, that 
King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon was going to come and take the Israelites captive. And it, it was in a series of waves, you know. But, and when he was living, the, cert, uh, the city hadn't been burned yet with fire and so forth. It was going to be. Uh, and God is warning the people. It was of the Lord. I'm gonna, your punishment is going to be 70 years in captivity to your enemy. And Jeremiah is prophesying to the people to repent and repent. And here this judgment is going to come upon you. And here's why this judgment is going to come upon you. And he's living and everybody is rejecting him. Those that are the priests of his day are rejecting him. The Lord told him to write down these prophecies. And they took and they delivered them to the king. And the, the king had them thrown into the fire and they were burned up. He was totally being rejected. And he's wanting to help. He's speaking on God's behalf to them to repent. And, and then he looks around, it looks like all the wicked, Asaph went through the same thing we read in the Psalms, it looks like the wicked are prospering. And the righteous man and the godly man looks at the wicked and he's saying, I'm suffering. She was thrown in prison twice in a dungeon, in a, in a mire, in the mud, and they literally, he was going to die in there, and God sent someone to bring him out and they let down some old sheets or something to him and tied him in knots and lifted him up out of the mud where he was going to die down, down there. And he's saying, and I'm serving God, and this, this is the way it's going. We all question it at times like that. And here's the wicked who are continuing to worship idols and blaspheme God, and I'm the prophet that God has graciously sent to them, and they're, they're, they're rejecting my words and rejecting the Lord and continuing in their arrogancy, and they're prospering. Their house is fine, their health is fine, their children are fine. Everything's going great for them. I'm in prison, basically, so I'm being rejected. Well, every man of God, I don't care if you're in Jeremiah's day or in our day, those thoughts cross our mind. They did for the, the psalmist Asaph, where he said, why do the wicked prosper? There's no bands in their death. They don't have any pain. Uh, no, you know, they, they're just getting along great. That's not really what this message is about, but what Jeremiah does, he comes to the conclusion in verse 3. He talks about the wicked. He says, you're, you're in their mouth. They speak of you, but you're not near to them in their reins. And I, I've kind of studied, what is the reins? When the, in Hebrew culture, when they're talking about the reins, it's like the, uh, what would be the first part of life, like when you're very first formed in that first life of human human being life inside the womb that innermost part they would think and then the uh and the beginning point of their life he says you're in their mouths all the time but you're not near to them at all if you still got your bibles open to jeremiah 12 verse verse 3 he begins but thou O lord knowest me and this is what he's bringing it back to he he doesn't like the, the fact that the wicked seem to be prospering but he's, he, God brings his attention back to this, that, wait a minute, they're not getting away with it. Lord, you know me. And he takes comfort in it. He's not bragging. He's simply saying, you know me, Lord. You, you have seen me. You have tried my heart, heart towards you. And then he goes on to say, pull the, pull the wicked down, Lord. Don't, don't let them prosper. Sometimes we struggle with what it seems like the wicked are getting away with. And, they, and I say it all the time, if we were God, we would zap them and zap them and zap them and stop this. And they're persecuting the church and they're persecuting Christians and they're taking away Christian liberties in our country. And uh, 
the Lord lets these things continue. He's, it's like he's letting them play out. We've talked about it the last three weeks. We talked about conflict, this life of conflict. It's a struggle that we're going through spiritual warfare. We're fighting these things, and we come out by the grace of God on top. Individually, in the little skirmishes, God's already won the victory, but he wants the darkness to come against the light in you. Okay? This is what's happening with Jeremiah. Was he doing what's right? Yes. Was any God's will? Had God chosen him? Was he doing everything right? Is there a glorious future that God had planned for Jeremiah? Yes. But at this time, he was going through it, wasn't he? He was going through the rejection, the persecution, and it troubled him and bothered him. But he says, wait a minute, Lord, you know me. And I know you, Lord, and I know you're going to uphold me. You're going to hear me when I cry. You're going to defend me. You're going to be on my side. You're going to keep your word. You're going to keep your promises. You're going to be my shepherd. You're going to judge all these people, and you're going to judge me in all of these situations. You're going to judge them rightly. And so Jeremiah knew the Lord, but he also knew that the Lord knew him. And so, as again, I want to live in such a way that God knows me, not just I'm your child even, but that he knows me as being faithful and one that, that honors the Lord and so forth, someone that he can depend upon. And we know God knows us better than we know ourselves. He's not fooled by appearances. But I want him to know me, and I want him to know my innermost parts, and I want him to know you and, and the people here at Cornerstone and, and everyone that's a believer in such a way that he could know that we're faithful to him and he could trust us. For Jeremiah to lift it up and say, Lord, you know me. Looks like the wicked are prospering, but Lord... And right now, it looks like they're getting away with it, and I'm suffering. But time out. I know you, Lord, and you know me. And, and I know that you know that I love you. Okay? He's contrasting himself from the wicked. The Lord, the Lord knows those wicked people afar off. But God is a God of knowledge. This is what uh, Hannah said when, when she prayed, and, and God said, prayed for a man child, right? For a son. She was barren and didn't have any children. And she prays for a child, and the Lord blessed her with Samuel. She says, You give me a, a man, a son, I'll give him back to you. He'll serve you all the days of his life. And that was Samuel. And she's thanking the Lord, and she's praying, and she says, Oh God, you're a God of knowledge. So all my enemies that were, were mocking me because I didn't have any children, he says, don't boast yourselves anymore. God is a God of knowledge. This is what she says. God knows, and he knows if we're faithful to him. He knows the wicked afar off. And he's going to judge things rightly to, despite how they may appear to us. We can take heart in that. Amen. Men must know the Lord, but also we want to be known of the Lord. You're a believer. You've given your life to Christ. You're a Christian. We want to live in such a way that the Lord knows us, and he knows us as being faithful. He knows us as being faithful. He went, he's got somebody he wants uh, to, to bring the gospel to. How does the Lord bring God, the gospel of Jesus Christ to people? He does it through people. He's chosen through the foolishness of preaching, he says, that men be saved. Right? Not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. So how is he going to do that? He's going to take somebody that knows him, that walks with him, He's going to send Eric to go bring the gospel to them. But Eric needs to live in such a way that when God needs somebody to receive the gospel and needs a, a messenger to send, that Eric, Eric not only knows the gospel, but he's living in such a way before the Lord that he's a good representation of the gospel. And it, I can trust Eric. 
not perfect, but I know he'll, he'll do this for me. And he's not a hypocrite, and he lives in such a way that I can use him to bring the gospel to his brother. Or I can, he, I can use him to bring the gospel to some co-workers. I know him. That's, a, that's like the favor of the Lord upon you, to where you're known by God in that way. He says, I want to use you in that way. It's a privilege to be used by the Lord, y'all. I, t- I talk about it. We've been going through our study on Wednesday nights about the life of Elijah, hidden away, hidden away. You don't know anything about Elijah. All of a sudden, he's talking to the king, saying it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain again. And he shut up the heavens. You don't know anything about him. He steps on the scene. But we know from as, as subsequently as we read, he stood before the Lord. He feared God. He walked with God. And God needed a prophet at that moment, not just the school of the prophets. He needed his man for that moment. And picture it like a bunch of arrows, as I said, in a quiver. I don't really shoot a bow and arrow a lot. But when God needs to send an arrow out in the name of the Lord and he reaches back, I want him to grab me. You understand what I'm saying? I want him to grab you. Not to rustle, no, this one's broken. It is an arrow and it's in my quiver, but it's kind of, this one doesn't fly exactly straight. It's got a big curve in it and some of the feathers are broken off of this one. I want him to be able to reach in the quiver and say, here's, here's one that I know will serve me. He'll do what I ask him to do. Jeremiah struggled with it, but guess what? He did what God called him to do. He did what God called him to do, and, and he, knew, he knew the Lord, but he also said, God, you know me. I, I, I'm struggling with this. I, I hate seeing the wicked prosper, but he takes a deep breath. You know, his faith is strengthened. He says, you know me. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. You're going to bless me in the end. I'm going to keep my eyes on you, and so to live in such a way that God knows that we love him, not just with lip service, right? The Pharisees, who we t- heard about in Sunday school, uh, Jesus said this. He said, you're hypocrites. He says, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I don't want him to know me like that. I want him to say he honors me with his mouth and he honors me with his life. He honors me with his mouth before the church people and he honors me when he's by himself in his house watching TV. He honors me. He lives this life. God, we want God to know us in that way. And guess what? We can live that way. It's not impossible to live that way because we have the grace of God. We have the Holy Spirit working in us. Amen. I want to live uprightly before the Lord by the Holy Ghost and by his grace in obedience to the Lord. I want to trust God and live for him and honor him when I go through trials. You know, when, when, you're on the, when you're on the riding the big crest in the wave and everything in life is going great, it's easy to talk about Jesus and that things, you know, the things are going great. What about when you're going through a trial? What about when you're not, you're in a valley and not on the mountaintop? I want him to know me as, you know, all the time that my faith is being strengthened, but he knows me and says, Randy's coming through this. He's going to come through it as gold. He's going to come through it. And I'm preparing him for what I have next for him. And I'm preparing him for the ways that I have not used him, but I want to use him in the days ahead. I want him to know me like that. Not a rebellious son, not one that's always causing him grief and grieving the Holy Spirit and so forth, but one that honors him. And I have not perfectly lived that way, but I'm saying we can. As a pattern, we can live in such a way that God knows us and he knows us as being faithful. I want to read this. Well, you have your Bibles. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 18. 
this is really to me what what we're talking about today. Now, now the Lord's in heaven, and he he says that the the cry and the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah has reached up to heaven, and had to be pretty bad. Okay, so the Lord comes down to deal with it. When he comes down to deal with it, guess what? He goes to somebody, a human being, that he talks to first before he goes and. And brings this destruction upon the wicked people in the cities there. There's someone he goes and talks to. And he goes and talks to Abraham. And I want you to read this in chapter 18, 17 through 19. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Look at verse 19, for I know him. God says, one thing to know the Lord, we have to know the Lord. Know him personally as Savior and Lord and trust him, okay? But here he's saying, I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. He's simply saying, I know Abraham, Abraham is one in the Bible that the Lord calls his friend. And he says he's going to do big business over here to deal with the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah and rain down fire and brimstone. But uh, Abraham had a nephew there named Lot and his family. And he says, should I, should I hide this thing I'm about to do from my, my friend Abraham? I know him. He's going to do what's right. He's going to command his children. He's going to teach them my laws and my ways and my word. And they're going to judge rightly and walk uprightly before me. And I want to be known by the Lord in such a way as that. My Redeemer would say of me, I know him. I know him. He's going to do what's right. When, when the rubber meets the road, when that moment of truth comes, when we're persecuted, and this is the hardest thing we've ever gone through, whatever it may be, when friends reject you and whatever, that at that moment, still, he's going to do what's right. He's going to do what's right. Now, it's only we only do what's right by the grace of God in the first place. But grace, the grace of God is bestowed upon everybody, but some people don't avail themselves to it. Some people, the grace of God is in vain. Amen? And the Bible talks about it. So later we read, a few chapters later, that when God called Abraham to offer up his son Isaac, his only son whom he loved, to offer him as a burnt sacrifice to the Lord, Abraham obeyed the Lord. He knew he was going to, and he spared his son. He didn't, he, uh, God spared his son. Abraham had offered him. And he said unto him, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God. What was it? It was a test, right? It was a test of his faith, but God knew he was going to pass it, but he still had to go through it. He still had to go through it. We still have to go through tests. The ones helping us through the test and the trial is the Lord. But I want to come through as pure gold. I want to come through uh, stronger. I want to come through with more faith in God. I want to come through more humble. I want to come through more like Jesus. I know that now I know that thou fearest the Lord, he says, seeing that you haven't withheld your only son from me. And so... This same thing that I believe was happening with Job's life. And the Lord said unto Satan, this is twice this happened in the first couple of chapters. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? 
that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect man, an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. What is he saying? You know what he's saying? He's saying to the devil, have you thought about my servant Job? Have you considered him? There's nobody like him. He fears me. He trusts me. He walks uprightly before me. There's nobody like him. Have you thought about You know what God, God knows Job. God knows Job like he knew Abraham. He knew him. And he says, there, he says though he still holds fast his integrity. This is the Lord's conversation with the devil. Job still holds fast his integrity, though thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. He's still saying, I know him, though. He's hanging in there. He's hanging in there. And I want to be known like that. Did Job go through the ringer? I I would say like nobody that I ever have read about. Did he go through it? Yes. But God knew him. And God knew, with all the questions, read through the book of Job. He's questioning God. I wish I was never born. It would have been better if I was never born. But he's still trusting in God. He still says, I know my Redeemer lives, and I'm going to see him one day face to face. And here's God in, in having a conversation with the devil about his servant Job. And God's saying, I know him. He's, gonna, he's not going to deny me. Satan says, I'm going to get him to curse you to your face, God. I'm going to get Job that you're boasting on. So I'm going to get him to curse you to your face. Guess what? He didn't. He didn't curse God to his face. He maintained his integrity before the Lord God knew him and knew he would. It was the grace of God that brought him through. That trial ended. It didn't go on forever. Seemed like it went on forever for Job, but it ended. And it ended with Almighty God saying, stand up like a man. Let me talk to you. And let me tell you what's going on here. It was a test. And he passed the test by the grace of God. Again, I wanna I don't want to just be in the family of God. In the big in a large house, there's vessels of gold and silver, some to some to honor, some to dishonor. You know, I always say there's the fine china or the gold cup that you would drink something special out of, and then there's the little Dixie cups that you crunch when you throw away. They're both cups. And they're in the, the house, in a large house. So we, let's say they're all Christians in this house. But there's some vessels of honor. And a vessel is something that you use. You understand what I'm saying? You, you, have, you go in your, your shop and you need to cut the grass. you got three weed eaters and two of them are broken. You know, you're going to get the one that works. you got a job to do. I need, to cut, I need a weed eat. I'm not going to fool with those broken ones right now. And so... Uh, I want to be that vessel of honor. This is what we're talking about. Do I know God? Yes, I know him as Lord and Savior. I want to be known by the Lord like David knew Abraham, like David knew Job, like David knew Jeremiah. Three things Jeremiah said, and we're going to bring this on, but he says, he says, Jeremiah said in that verse 3 that we read in chapter 12, O Lord, thou knowest me. He goes on to say, thou hast seen me. And thirdly, he says, thou hast tried my heart heart towards thee you know know me you have seen me and you've tried my heart towards you what is this he's got a track record with God he's got a relationship with the Lord he never claims to be sinless he never claims to be perfect but he does say you've watched me Lord I've done what you've called me to do the things you've told me to preach that nobody received 
for 55 chapters or however many in Jeremiah, and then 10 chapters of Lamentations, we read more. I did everything you called me to do. Uh, you know me, Lord. And he took heart in this, not only that he knew the Lord and knew God's goodness and faithfulness, but you know me, Lord. And David says this, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. Again, David's not bragging, but he's saying, look, when it was time for somebody to preach the truth and righteousness concerning Almighty God, I did that. I didn't refrain my lips. I preached it. He goes, and you know that, God. Again, he's not boasting. He's simply saying that we can live in such a way that we are that. When, when we read in Matthew chapter 7, I'll just read it for time's sake, verse 23, there are these Jesus, our Lord, is saying they're going to be people that come to him in that day and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, right? Lord, Lord. I think we know people. I pray there's no one in this room. There might be someone in this room. I pray that you're not. But they would say, Lord, Lord, didn't I? Didn't I in your name cast out devils? Didn't I in your name uh, do many great things and in the name of Jesus? And what will Jesus' reply be to these specific people? He would say, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. At no point, when you were doing what you thought you were doing in my name, and you were out doing this and that, and, and you thought you were serving me or doing it in my name, or maybe it was to be seen of men, he's going to say, I never knew you. At no point did I know you. And depart from me, and there's no redo, and there's no second chance. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And so there are people that the Lord knows and they know, he knows them afar off because they're wicked and they don't want to draw nigh unto God. And there are people that draw nigh unto God like Abraham, like Job, like uh, John and the, and the three disciples that were in that inner circle that drew near to the Lord. We, whereas, uh, I think Tozer said we, everybody, every man, every Christian man is as holy as he wants to be. And I believe that because if I wanted to be more holy and more separated to God and more like Jesus and love him more and know him more, there's no barriers to that. There's no limits to that. How much time do you want to spend with God? How much time do you want to spend in his word? How much time do you want to spend at this altar? How much time do you want to click off the TV and go uh, get your Bible and let's go study? I want to show you something from my word. How much time do you want? And how important is it to you? Every man's got as much of Jesus Christ as he wants. And, and I want to want him more. Amen? It's really something that, that D, uh, we always talk about it, how we don't, we don't plan. She goes, you know, what are you going to preach? Well, I'm preaching on prayer. And so she comes up with a lot of songs about prayer. Uh, I go do my thing and get with the Lord, and God gives me a word. She does her thing, with the, and God gives her the music. But it's just something that last song we sang, you know, talked about. Uh, well, turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 139. We're going to read the first six verses. Psalm 139, 1 through 6. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Again, we're not just talking about knowing God. You have to know God. And I get to know him better as I walk with the Lord. But at the same time, if it's a relationship, he's getting to know me. Although he knows me perfectly, I want him to get to know me as being faithful. 
That's all we're saying here, to be that arrow in his quiver, that vessel of honor. And so he says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down. Thou art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and hast laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. He's just like overwhelmed by it. Lord, you, wherever I go, you're there. But not only are you physically there, you know me. I don't even have a word in my mouth that I'm about to say. I haven't even spoken it yet. And you know it's there. To be known by the Lord so uh, intimately, he says he's, it's just... These thoughts are too great. I can't, he's got to just stop. You can't think about it. He's getting a brain cramp thinking about it. It's just too high for him and too wonderful to think for the Lord. He says, how precious, later in this psalm, how precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. The thoughts of God towards us and him knowing us and caring for us. The Bible says this, and we're going to bring this to a close soon, but it says uh, in Psalm 4, Verse 3, but know this, that the Lord has set apart them that are godly for himself. You ever thought about that? We're godly. We're only godly because the Lord made us godly. But everybody could be godly, but they're not because they don't trust in Christ. They don't come to the Lord. They don't humble themselves before the Lord. But he says that the godly, those that have trusted him, come to him. And he knows who they are and who we are. He set apart them that are godly for himself. We're for God. We're for his use. We're for his glory. We're for his purpose. We're for his fellowship, for his companionship, for him to teach, for him, everything. He set apart them that are godly for himself. And, and David goes on to say, you will hear me when I cry unto you. He knew the Lord, and he knew that the Lord knew him. Amen. Again, to live in such a way that you can be that vessel of honor, to me that's not arrogant to think that. That is taking God at his word. That is taking God at his word and said, by his spirit, I can live this way. By his spirit, I can grow in Christ and I don't have to stay a little babe for the next 25 years of my life. I can really grow up and be mature in Christ. It's not arrogant. It's dependent upon the Lord. It's not a self-confidence or self-dependency. It's dependence fully upon the Lord. I want to be known by God, someone that that he can use to do his will at any time he can use to do his will you know god doesn't use just anybody do you know that he doesn't just use anybody to represent him before men he uses those that he's chosen those that he knows are faithful that man that woman that young person that has separated themselves unto god amen to know the lord and to be known by the lord amen known by the Lord as being faithful. And I'm, I'm just closing with that. Y'all stand with me this morning. I'll read this again from 2 Samuel chapter 7. And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant. Let, let's just come before the, the Lord at these altars and just get with the Lord. If you don't know the Lord... You can give your life to the Lord today and be saved, be born again. You can know him. Amen. But to, to live in such a way, it's a very simple thought this morning. 
to live in such a way that God knows us. But not only does he know us, he knows us as being faithful to him. Like he knew Job, amen? Like he said, I know Abraham's going to bring up his children to serve me. I know he is. So I'm not going to hide this secret from the Lord. The Bible says the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Secret means his intimate, his intimacy basically is what that means. Is with those that fear him. These altars are open. Father, we come to you. God, first I want to thank you that you've opened our eyes and we know you. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We know you personally as Savior of our lives. We know you as Lord of our lives. We know you as the forgiver of sins. We know you as the soon and coming King. We know you as the great physician, God. We know you as the good shepherd. But Lord, we also want to live, God. We're confessing to you this morning. God, we want to live in such a way that you know us. He said, I know my friend Abraham. He's going to do what's right. I know Job is going to come through this test, though Satan is bringing all these horrible things into his life. I know he's going to keep his integrity. God, I pray you could say that about each person in this room. I know you. I know you're going to do what I've called you to do. I know you're going to trust me when things are confusing. I know you're going to trust me when things get hard and they seem unbearable. I know you're going to trust me when it doesn't seem like your life is being rewarded or blessed. I know you're going to trust me and do what's right. God, would you strengthen us by your grace? God, we don't want your grace upon our lives to be in vain. We want to receive it. We want to grow from it. We want to benefit from it. We want to abide in your grace. By your Holy Spirit, God, we want to walk and live in a, a life of loving obedience and fellowship and companionship with you, Lord God. Help us, God, in this hour. We're living in perilous times. Help us to live, God, as vessels of honor. You need and you desire to use your people, God. We want to be those that you use, not the ones that you pass over because we're not living in such a godly way. Help us, God. In Jesus' name, meet with these at the altar.